Glory to God. And I'll even be seated. We'll do it a little different tonight. I've got an idea about what I want to do tonight. But are y'all going to help me with it? Yeah, y'all will help me. Y'all always help me. Y'all are my biggest fans like Keith. (laughs) Keith's like my biggest fan. Speaking of Keith, Keith was at Southwest Believers all week. How many of y'all got to see it? Boy, that first service, he just really, really preached, didn't he? I'm telling you what, he just... He's like, I be a pizza, <laughs> you know, and uh, he does a good job. And yesterday when he was leaving, I, I don't understand it all. I didn't get all the details. I hadn't been able to talk to him that much since uh, it was over with. But he was telling me, how many of you watched yesterday? Got to see yesterday. Several of you did. Um, he was telling me something about. I guess he was talking some more about, I, I saw parts of it. Mine was cutting in and out. How many of y'all's was cutting in and out? Yeah. Uh, mine was cutting in and out, and so I didn't really get all of this that he was talking about. Um, something about, you know, death and, and the stuff and, and how about his dad and stuff and, and that sort of stuff. And he said that there was actually a lady there, I think, that had brought an urn or something with some ashes and stuff because she was so upset and stuff and that she had really gotten ministered to and stuff. So it's really amazing to me the way that the Lord uses different people, you know, to minister to people. If we'll just believe him, he knows what everybody needs, you know. And so if you come into a service with a certain thing set in mind, I am doing this, you know, uh, You'll miss it because you don't really know exactly who's going to be there. The Lord knows ahead of time. But, you know, people change their mind even though the Lord has a plan for them. They can change their mind, you know, at the last minute and decide, I'm not going no matter, you know. So uh, I've done it, you know. (laughs) Have you ever missed God? Well, then don't laugh at me. (laughs) No, we've all done it. We've all missed God, you know. And so... uh, um, but he said it went really, really good, and the crowds are just amazing. And that ministry is just a phenomenal ministry. We are just so blessed by them and have learned so much from them, and so we're just a privilege to be a part of them. And so anyway, uh, they flew in uh, late last night from there after he spoke, and uh, he got up this morning and he asked me, Phil, you think you were going to, well, and he mumbled around a little bit, do tonight? <laughs> and I said, sure, you know, sure. And so he and Mike... There's Shara back there, took off on their motorcycles today. <laughs> and he sent me pictures of Arkansas, you know. And so they were resting a little bit today, which I was real glad for, you know. So everybody needs a day of rest, you know. And he'll be back in Branson for Sunday morning with all the plans. He, that's where he is right now. They went up to Branson so because uh, it was closer. By the time he flies here, it's really late. So he just went up there. So, But besides that, he had half the staff, I think, with him. So... Uh, all is well. So anyway, um, the next thing I want to talk about is, um, and I want to see Branson. Put Branson on the screen for me. There they are. Hi, Branson. Hi, Branson. Now, I want to see him. Zoom out if you possibly can, because I want to see everybody that's there, because I want to I want to squash a myth. Do we have a zoom on that camera, Devin? Can they zoom it? Thank you. Okay, there we are. Okay. Every person that's heard the rumor that we are not, Keith and Phyllis Moore is leaving Branson and they're not going to be ministering there anymore. Stand up for me, please. Yeah. 
Nobody's standing here. Been, been, people have been lying to me because, uh, you know, I heard a lot of rumors lately that people have been saying that. And uh, it's a lie. It's, it's just a flat lie because just because we're opening FLI down here means nothing to us ministering in Branson. We love Branson. Branson's our biggest and oldest child. <laughs> and you never get rid of your children. You don't just go dump. I mean, I know there's some crazy people that have done some stupid stuff and dumped their kids in the lake and stuff, but we're not going to dump you in the lake. We love you. And it's not happening. And uh, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about before we even started that church, people don't know us very well if they say things like that. Let me explain. Because when Keith and I first got in the ministry, we, the day Keith graduated. Now, this is Keith and I. And if you don't know us by now, you should get to know us. Okay? You should get to know us a little bit. The day Keith graduated on a Friday night, Saturday morning, Keith and Phyllis Moore got up and left for a meeting in Terre Haute, Indiana. We were just telling somebody that the other day, and I I was reminded of it. We didn't wait on someone to invite us. We planned our own meeting. We didn't wait for people to call us and say, would you please come? We have never waited on anything. We are... We're going to get up and do. We're going to go. We're going to build. We're going to. We're not going to sit and wait for grass to grow under our feet. And by the time we had started that church, we had been in the ministry for a very long time and were very well established in ministry. That church is just another step along the way. And so what I did think about was with that step along the way, when we got that church, it was just amazing to me because what I thought. I'll tell you what I thought. I thought, glory to God. If Keith and I have been able to do this, just us, what are we going to be able to do with this 600 plus people that showed up this morning? I went home and told Keith that. I said, we're going to be able to win the whole world. Because, you know, you just saw everybody there and and you think, okay, this one can do this and this one can do this and this one can do this. Because we just had a little bitty staff and we were already doing a lot. And it wasn't long after that that we were able to start the TV broadcast. Rob was there and he had an idea and we didn't put it on TV, but he put it on the Internet. And we were worldwide almost instantly. Instantly. And the Lord sent us some of the most amazing people, people that could do all sorts of stuff. But let me read you a scripture before we get too far. Um, and t- I tell you this. The title of tonight is Faith for Sight. Faith for Sight. Because when we went to do that church there in Branson, we did not have anything. And I just get amazed at people that are waiting till they have everything they need to take the next step that they need to take. Whether they're going to get married or they're going to have a child or they're going to start a ministry or they're going to uh, move or they're going to whatever they're going to do. They're never going to take a step of faith until they have everything they need in hand. Well, honey child, you ain't never going to do it. 
It's just never going to happen. Because when we were supposed to move there and, and start the church there, um, I want to make it crystal clear to you. We had no church members. And you know how much money we had to start a church? None. We didn't have a big bank account. We didn't have a bunch of people backing us to say that you could start this church. When I went to the bank to say, uh, we, we need a loan to get this church, they said, okay, so how many people are going to sign for you? For churches, you have a board or you have people that sign for you, your deacon board for the church. They sign for you. I said, none. Me, Keith, that's it. They said, so what do you have? We said, nothing. They said, you're not getting this. I said, oh, yes, I am. Because I got a big father. But I didn't tell him all that. But people wait until they can see everything. Keith has, had a, has a song. I don't even remember what song it is, but it's been running through my high, mind for days now. Complacency and passivity is a couple of nice words for unbelief. Janet, what song is that? Think about it. Tell me. It's it's a song that he does. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. And in that song, complacency and passivity, what do they mean? It means you just sitting still and doing nothing. That just means you're in unbelief. If you're waiting and, and you say, I've got all I can do. Don't give me any more to do. I've just got all I can do. Well, then God can't use you. He's going to have to find somebody else to use. Or I'm overloaded. The other day I was dealing with somebody. And I kid you not. I, I told Keith we were going to do these things, these shows. I'll change gears for just a second. We were going to do these shows. He, want, he kind of wanted me to. You know, and uh, in the studio, when he built the studio, he built a little section for me. Lord. So this little table and stuff like this kind of supposed to go in there, you know. And so I told him, if I did it, I was going to talk about what I was dealing with that week. Well, these are things that I deal with during the week. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, you know. So if your name comes up, (laughs) that's life. Um, Anyways, so anyway, um, we were doing this, and I was talking with this person, and they had been at work, you know, and they'd been working, supposedly, and I talked to him and I said, you know, I'm going to have to let you go. And I never let people go. I went, I went 25 years and never let anybody go. How dumb is that? They came in and they got their paycheck and they did nothing. And the Lord got on to me about it. Amen. And he said, he kept, I would wake up in the morning at three o'clock and he would quote me the scriptures about the talents. Yep. Uh, verbatim. At three o'clock in the morning, week after week after week. And I would think. Okay, Lord, what does that mean? And he, he'd go, okay, how blonde are you? Because it was like, he, he's like, I gave them a talent and they are not using it. Take that talent away and give it to someone that will use it. And, I'm, and, and it would be like, but they're going to lose this and they're going to lose this and they could lose this and, they, and they're going to, and he's like, take the talent away. And, and this went on for months. And me, I'm a very, 
I get attached to people and, and they're like family to me and, and I love them and I want to just hold them and cuddle them. And the Lord's saying, take the talent away. And I'm like, Lord. And he's like, are you going to obey me or not? And I'm like, okay. So I went into this person and I said, now you've been working for us for years. And I only told you a couple of things that you needed to do, and they're not getting done. And I've, I've moved you from this department to 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 this department, to this department and still nothing. And I'd go to their department heads and I'd say, are they getting it done? And they'd say, you know what? You, if you tell them exactly what you want done and spell it out to them and stand over them and tell them what to do, they'll do it. But otherwise, they're just going to go and sit in their chair and wait for you to tell them what to do. And I thought, I don't want nobody like that. Amen. Do you want somebody like that, that you've got to stand over and tell something to do 24-7? I don't want employees like that. I want somebody that's got some initiative. I've got a lot of jobs to do. I've got a lot of work to do. And if you don't love the Lord enough to do what he wants you to do, then you better go someplace else because I'm going to stump on your toes. And you ain't going to like me because we go fast. So anyway, I put her with somebody else one day. And she had to do something different. And this girl is a worker. I'm telling you, she will work your fingers to the bone. And so she, I put her with her that day, and she worked her. And she said, I went home that night, and I was so th- tired, I thought I was going to die. And I thought, that's the first day that girl ever worked in her life. <laughs> now, why am I telling you all this? Why am I sitting up here telling you all this? Because I don't want your talent taken away and given to somebody else. Because God is a just and fair God. But if we're not using our talents and our abilities that he gave us, that is scripture and he will take them. I'm not turning to all the scriptures. you got a Bible. You find it for yourself and see what will happen to you if you don't do your job. That's what I was telling somebody the other day. We've got some employees right now that have been with us forever. And they ain't got enough faith to get themselves out of a teaspoon. And then you've got some other ones that ain't been with you very long and they could move a mountain. Now, I want Gavin to come up here just a minute and I want to tell how he got started. He doesn't know I'm doing this. He got him off the spot. He's embarrassed because he, he didn't dress right. Because <laughs> he's on vacation. He didn't even know. So have a seat just a minute, Devin, and hold that microphone in your hand. Now, Devin, now all I want you to do, look at him. All I want you to do is just be totally honest and not be spiritual. Okay, got it. Because that's me. You know me. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Devin came and helped us move to Branson. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Devin came and helped Steve, is that right? Yes. Okay. Steve, when we moved to Branson, he was living in Broken Arrow, and he had graduated from Raymond. Yes. At what year? Uh, 2001. 2001. And he 
and Steve were friends, Steve Pollard. Steve Pollard's been with us 20-something years. I don't know exactly how long. Shame on me. Um, but anyway, Steve had been with us a long time, and so Devin was helping him move. He was driving a U-Haul and helping him move our stuff to Branson. Our stuff. Yeah. Ministry stuff. Not Steve's stuff, our ministry stuff to Branson. And so he was there, and while he was there, I found out he did graphic design. And I didn't know any of this, but that day, the um, people that bought the building for, uh, that we bought the building from said, if we want to give you uh, a half page, was it half page ad in the newspaper? Is that right? Yep. And I said, great, except for I have nobody that can put together a half page ad. I, I, we didn't have anybody that did graphics. We didn't know anybody that would even begin to know how to do that. So I went to Devin and I said, Devin, would you be willing to do this for us? And he said, yes, ma'am. Sure. And very kind, ready to do anything that the Lord wanted him to do, you know. And he did it, and it was great. It was just great. So I was quite happy, you know, because we were quite busy trying to move everybody in because most of the people were trying to move and do all this stuff. Well, it wasn't long. How long was it after that that I asked you to move and come uh, be a part? I th well, I think actually that it, it, well, it, uh, I sent the graphic to you, and then uh, I think the next response was, Devin, are you looking for a job? Exactly. <laughs> Devin, are you looking for a job? And his response was, I want to work in youth. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. I said no. <laughs> Is that correct? It yeah, might yeah. work out sometime, but that's not what I want you for, correct. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I want you for. And he said, let me think about it. Well, the next day he said yes. Or the next day, I forget. It was real close to that. Now, a lot of people... The reason I have Devin up here is because a lot of people would have missed the call on their life right there. They would have missed their future right there. Because he felt as though he was called to youth at the time. At the time. Now, a lot of you don't know Devin, and I'm purposefully not telling you everything he does at this point. But Devin definitely had a call on his life. And everybody, all of our staff that knows Devin, do y'all think Devin had a call on his life? Devin didn't even know what his call was. Faith for sight is what tonight is about. Things... That if you walk by sight, you may never see. If you walk by what you know, you will never see. If you walk by what you want or what you feel, you will never see what God has for you. It'll never happen. So he came to work for us, and he was working for us for a while, and he was doing graphics and stuff. Well, it wasn't, how long reckon it was? For the... Till you started the TV department. Probably a year and a half, I think. Afterwards. A year and a half. We started the TV department. We had no one that knew a thing in the world about it. And Devin used his faith and found out everything about it 
and bought all the TV equipment, bought everything we needed, met with some of the KCM guys, bought everything we needed and got us up and off the ground, got a volunteer team, got us going and has been the head of the TV department now how long? Uh, probably about 15 plus years. 15 plus years. Yeah. Now, Devin is still not in youth. <laughs> now, I did try him in youth, and he came back to me and told me he didn't want to be in youth. <laughs> Devin's grace is in TV. And Devin has been a part of us reaching the whole wide world. But there's something more important than that. I mean, the TV is vitally important, but that's in our lives and in his ministry. But something else happened that was vitally important that Devin would have never seen or known. Something else that was a tremendous major blessing to me. Cassie, come up here. And have a seat. They didn't know I was calling on them. They're on vacation. I didn't even know they were coming tonight. I knew the Lord knew. It's good to be led. Good to be led. Cassie and Devin got married from being at the church. Yes, ma'am. Cassie has helped me now. Cassie was my right hand in youth for how many years? Um, 10, 12, I don't know. Long, long, long time. Long time. Yeah. Pretty much the whole time you were in there. Yeah, the whole time I was in there. She was, she was my assistant, my helper, secretary, help. Cassie's got how many kids now? Four? Three? Three. Three. Uh, oh. <laughs> Three? Three kids? Um, she's got three kids, and I won't ever forget it. She was ready to quit when she was having McKenna, right? Yep. And I didn't want her to quit. And I just asked her, would she come back and help me? Now, most people... Now, Cassie was homeschooled. And I know that's what she had on her heart. Her whole family was homeschooled. She's top-notch. I'd take 12 more just like her. But I asked her, would she come back and help me? What did you say? Yes, ma'am. Instantly, without a thought. Now, what did she have to do in order to say that? How many of you have ever had a, a newborn? How hard is it to just be willing to put your baby in a daycare, find somebody, believe God that you get the right people, believe God somebody's going to take care of it the way that you would take care of it? And it wasn't just her, it was him. But they're a great blessing to this ministry. And I believe God's rewarding them. They started out not having a whole lot. What do y'all got now? Tell us about some of the stuff you got now that the Lord's done for y'all. Um. Lord, you know, Lord's blessed us with a huge house. Tell us, tell us where you start. What kind of car did you have when you started at the ministry, Devin? I had, well, I ended up getting in, you know, into huge debt and, 
and end up selling it and had a you know kind of a, a pickup truck, but you know end up getting something a lot you know less for a little while and and um, you know we were renting a house or whatever, but you know uh, we went from basically you know nothing and Lord's blessed us with a you know a, a, a decently sized house and um, it's a nice house. Yep, and uh, it's it's um, you know paid off vehicles and nice stuff, nice little family. Their kids are here. I believe that's the blessings of the Lord. Their kids are never sick. Tell me about Cassie. Now tell about the reason I brought you up here is because I want them to hear about your kids in school. Yeah. Well, and when you asked me to come back, the one thing the Lord told both of us was, if you do this, I will always take care of your kids. And so that's whenever she, any she's crack her voice is cracking because it still bothers her some you can you hear this but she's no. still doing what the lord wants go um, ahead but so we've always anytime something we've had child care issues anything that's come up with them we've always said the lord told us he will always take care of our kids and so and he always has he's always provided um places for them to go they've done um really well in school and uh i mean this year they did really well they've always done like they excel in math and their tell, tell about Caden's award. Caden got award for um, for math, outstanding. He's always his goal was his teachers like, well, you know, my goal, you know, you guys can set your own goals. My and it's if you can hit 75%. He set his at 100, and he he hit it 98% of the time this year. Um, and then you know, your parent teacher conferences every year, and last year in particular, and we told you about this. Um, we met with their teachers, and they've. Praise the Lord, they've always done really well academically. But last year, both um, McKenna and Caden's teachers said to us how much their character stood out to them and how much that they, like McKenna's teacher in particular that year they had, she said in her words, were, it was a rougher class. But she said, I can always look to McKenna. She doesn't follow the crowd. She's always doing what she's supposed to do, and she sets an example, and she's a good leader. That was one thing. They both were good leaders. They're good helpers, and they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and their characters really shone and stood out. Um, and then that following Sunday, we were in service and just um, during praise and worship, and I was just sitting there, the Lord pointed out to me those who honor me. He said, this is because you have put me first, and you've honored me, and I'm honoring you through your children and the way that they're doing and their success and stuff and through school, sports, you know, just... now. I wanted to bring this up a little bit and, and explain something to you so that you understand it. There were seasons that Devin had to miss some of the kids' stuff when we were first starting the TV stuff. And it wasn't fun. I can remember times, and I know that we were doing stuff and he would have to miss a birthday or he would have to miss this. But I think this last year, the Lord helped make up for some of that stuff. Didn't you get to do a couple of extra things? Absolutely. Um, you know, last year we were, I was expecting to be here a lot just for faith school and such. And, and Lord worked it out where, where we were, where I ended up being in, in, at, in Branson a little bit more. And, um, I wasn't expect, you know, I've, I grew up in a football, uh, uh, home my stepdad was a, a football coach for many years and and that just hadn't been a part of my life a whole lot but I always enjoyed it and um, this past year uh, Kaden you know got into football and and um, the head coach at you know was like hey I don't know what I'm doing can you help me and and you know I was thinking well I can't really commit to it well it worked out where I was there I think I was only gone maybe one weekend I'm not even sure if it was that and um, we uh, only lost I think one game when I was there 
and um, he did. I mean, he just was like the star of the team, and just never played before in his life. And and but it was it was just one of those things where, you know, it's like I one of the you know I enjoy being at church, and, and I, I I get that part. But it was one of those things where the Lord blessed me. One of the biggest places He's blessed me outside of church, and I just it was just just a complete fulfillment. It was just much more than just winning a game. It was just being a part of, of him and him excelling. And just, I, I believe the Lord's blessing, you know, was on that. I mean, just be, seasons just, for things yep. and being able to make quality time instead of just much, much, much time. He actually was able to put something into this time and value it and honor it. And I believe that's what the Lord does, you yep. know, and uh, with these two, I believe he's done that greatly. And uh, uh, I believe that if you do that, we've seen it too much the other side. And that's the reason that I've got them up here tonight is we've seen people that have tried to not put the Lord first in their lives and we've seen their kids go the other direction and we've seen things in their kids lives that have not turned out so well and um, so uh, I just truly believe that with what they've done and you can't just pick and choose what you want to do in ministry you have to be willing to do what God calls you to do, whether you have a plan or you don't have a plan. I know Cassie didn't know that she was going to be doing because then uh, I didn't finish that story because I told her, will you help me? And then I left. And so now she has to help Dave. Bless her heart. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Dave fusses all the time. You, that's the one person you can't take. It's the one person you can't take is Cassie. She's the greatest help, you know. And so, uh, and she is, you know, and uh, she calmed down a lot of things for us. And so we are so thankful because we believe that the honor that they've shown the Lord, the Lord will honor them in all the things that they do. And the kids are never sick. There's never anything wrong with them. They're just blessed, 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 blessed blessed. And so I, I just wanted to share that side of the story with you guys tonight and show you that you got to stay open in order to see the things in your future that God has for you. Because if he would have told me no that day, he wasn't going to do it because he wouldn't be involved in youth. He wouldn't, number one, have started a TV department and learned all the things that he had. And I think it's brought joy to him. I know there's been some pain when he's had to work night and day. I, don't get me wrong. There has been times with the TV department and some of the things that we've had to do that he has sacrificed and he's had to do some things. But we all have had to sacrifice. There's not a person in the books of the Bible that hasn't had to sacrifice to accomplish what God wants them to do. But I believe we will be rewarded for it. But if you're unwilling to to sacrifice for the Lord, you are an unchosen candidate for the Lord. Amen. He will not choose you, you know, but I believe if you're willing to do that, you will go far for the Lord and you will accomplish everything that he has for you and you will see great things for him. So thank you guys. And um, I'm going to have somebody else come up here in just a minute, but I want to read you something else before I have them come up. Aren't they precious? Yeah. They've got the sweetest kids. I love them dearly. Dearly. And something else that they do, uh, they left, but I, I wanted to say this too. Mo Mom and Dad Hagen used to tell us this all the time. And um, I hadn't thought about it till this, just this very second. Devin and Cassie, they, and I don't want to embarrass them, maybe it's good that they're gone. They honor us in a different way than a lot of other people do. They will constantly... And I, and I don't think everybody needs to try to do this, and so I'm not saying that you should. But there, there are things that people do differently than other people. They have involved us in their lives. If their kids hit a, a, a ball at a game, I get a video of it. 
if it's their birthdays or something, they have a party, uh, I, got, I get a picture of a drum set. If they hit a home run, I get a picture of it. If it's something going on in their lives, I know about it. And if we come to the church, they're standing there at the back door with all three kids to give us a hug. They honor us. We don't have to hunt them down and say, what's going on in your life? And mom and dad Hagen, you know, that's, that may be old school. You know, in olden times, the kids always checked on the parents, that sort of thing. How many old country folk do I have in here that knows what I'm talking about? That kind of went on in those days. See, nobody's even nodding their head because it doesn't happen anymore. We've got a few people that are recognizing that that went on, but it, it doesn't happen anymore. It was the, the younger people's job to keep in touch with the parents and tell them what was going on. It wasn't the parents' job to check up on the kids so much after they got to be a certain age. It was the young people's job to check on them and tell them what's going on with the kids and send them pictures and and send them this and do this and and uh, it just doesn't happen anymore you know and um, they have kept us involved with their lives and their kids and and I could show you pictures of their kids on my phone left and right we've got other staff I couldn't tell you the ages of their kids I hardly even know their names what that does though is when something happens with their kids, I'm hooked. If one of them, if something happens, you can bet your last nickel, I'm in faith. If something happens with their finances, I'm there. If somebody tries to tell me uh, one of them didn't do something, I'm like, don't tell me that. They've never not done something for me. It's, it's like Brother Hagen used to say, you've heard the story, him telling about the guy that something happened in the, uh, he was dying. And Brother Hagen was able to go out in the hallway and do what? Plead his case. Because he knew him. And he knew everything about him. You've got to have people that you actually can plead their case before the Lord because they've actually done something. And, and you can actually stand before the Lord and say, Lord, no, I know them. I know what they'll do. I know what they have done. And you can plead their case. Now, let me read you a couple of the scriptures, and then I'm going to tell you something else uh, about... Uh, I'm going to have somebody else come up here. And they don't know, so there's everybody in here sitting in there, scratching their heads. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Um, and, uh, uh, Hebrews 11. You all know it. Um, faith is... It's, this is the Amplified. The assurance of what we're hoping for. Um, the proof of things we have not seen yet. That's faith. We haven't seen it yet. Devin hadn't seen any of those things yet. That's faith. You take a step of faith. He didn't have money to come. He didn't have anything he needed to come. He just took a real step of faith to do that. And sometimes you just have to take steps of faith when God... I don't know if you've realized this. Some, you need to get a, an ampli- How many of you have an Amplified Bible or can get one on your phone? You need to read Hebrews 11 in the Amplified. I'm going to read you a couple of them, but I want you to do it on your own. That's the only way you're going to find out stuff. I think, like I said earlier, you can help people too much. And then they become dependent upon you. I think parents help their kids too much, and I think we've been guilty of it with faith and teaching too much. And people hear a lot of teaching, but they never really do faith. Tom Hunter, that usually sits over there. Y'all know Tom. Comes up here and does the announcements a lot. One night we were at one of our staff's weddings, and he was sitting there across the table from us, and some things had come up in their life. 
he won't mind me telling this. And uh, we were just talking about it the other day. I told you I talk about what is happening. And we were dealing with another situation. And he said, um, we were sitting at this wedding, and he was sitting across the table from us, him and Amy. And um, he said, yeah, Keith and I were sitting here, and they were sitting there. And I think, I forget, Dave, maybe Dave and Kim and somebody else was sitting there. And uh, he said, um, yeah, I thought I had walked by faith. I thought I was a faith person. But I never have until now. And I look back on mine and Keith's life. And I think about all those years that we were, we didn't have any money. And we had two shriveled up carrots and an onion in the refrigerator. And I think about that we didn't have the money to pay the rent or the gas to get to, to work or him to get to school. And, and like he said, he would fast lunch. But it wasn't because he was trying to be spiritual. It's because he didn't have any money. And I think about all the people that missed that. And I feel sorry for them, for you. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I do. Because if you never have an opportunity to use your faith, you're never going to grow your faith. If you just give in and you never really use your faith, if you never have an opportunity like the three Hebrew children, or Daniel in the lion's den, or you're totally broken, you don't see how in the world you're going to make it to the next day. You can live in a falseness that you actually are using your faith. And you're not. And so that when God does deal with you to do something... You're like, what do I do? What do I do? And you're on the phone texting people and asking other people instead of asking the Lord. And other people can't tell you. They'll get you in a mess. Look at Hebrews 11 here. Verse 4. The Amplified says this. Put, put, Put up the Amplified. It says, what's that first word? Prompted by faith. Then put up verse 7. What does that say? Prompted by faith. And then put up verse 8. Urged on by faith. Now, the reason that I'm telling you that is because when true faith comes, faith is not like a dream. Faith is not like you just dream something up, you know, and, oh, that would be nice. And people say, get in faith. And you're like, okay, I'm going to dream it, and I'm going to hope it, and I'm going to... No. Faith is tangible. Faith is actually a tangible thing. It's tangible. And when you actually know that you're in faith, you actually have a prompting to do something. Okay, let me give you an example. Okay? Just these past few days, week or so, I was dealing with someone and they were looking at a house. And I'd send them pictures. They didn't send me one picture. Now, they're supposed to be finding a house. They're supposed to be looking. They didn't send me one. I am looking for them a house. Now, I don't have enough to do. 
<laughs> Do you understand that? Yeah, cute. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Do you hear any faith in that? But when they actually found one that they liked, yeah, this is it. Yeah, we like this. Where's the difference? There was a prompting to do something. We need to do something. Can we talk to somebody? Can we call somebody? Do you see the difference in that? There was an actual prompting. Let's call somebody. Can we, who, who should we call? What should we do? And, and that's the difference in, yeah, okay, uh-huh. Now, you could push somebody to do something, but it's kind of useless because they're going to go down the tube like that. Because people really should be further along than that by now. They should have been using their faith for more than just the dried carrots in their refrigerator. Do you understand? You've got to, the reason that I say that is because those promptings and urgings come to all of us. And it doesn't just happen when you need a new house. It doesn't just happen when you need a new car. It happens every day in our lives that the Lord is prompting us to do something. He's prompting us, do this, do that, do this. He's prompting us, like Alfredo said a few weeks ago, talk to that girl, uh, give that waitress another $5, uh, get up and, and, and hug that person, say hi to this person, do this. But if you ignore every one of those promptings, you ignore every time that you're prompted of the Lord to do something, then when you actually need His promptings, you're not going to recognize them. It's going to be very, very hard to recognize them. And so that's what happens to people, is they, is they forget those promptings and urgings. They, they, it comes up in them, but they don't really recognize them anymore. It's just kind of like, yeah, I, I sense something. Let's go, to, let's go have dinner. And they just walk away and leave it. What you have to understand about the Lord is He will never make you do anything. But it's, it comes back to like Devin. I guarantee you, He just had a prompting to help Steve that weekend. I guarantee you, it wasn't some writing in the sky that said, help Steve drive that U-Haul this weekend. And how did that change his life? It set his life on a different course. Now, I want Rachel and Ethan to come up here just a minute. They don't know I'm calling them. They have no clue. Have a seat. How long y'all been married? Working on five, five, years. five whole years. <laughs> They're still in their honeymoon phase, aren't they? Okay. Tell us, tell us about your first house. Pull up the microphone so they can hear you. Somebody tell us about your first house, what you do. Go ahead. Okay. Um, we, we bought a fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a foreclosure, and uh, it needed a lot of work. Lots and you lots didn't of just work. go out and buy something and go 
head over heels and just expect to... <laughs> no. Didn't well, write a That's what we started check? out. That's what we... St- no. <laughs> we started out, oh, we want move-in ready. We want move-in ready, you know, because we were busy uh, with things. And um, at that time, I worked, like, overnights and all kinds of stuff. And so I needed move-in you ready. You worked? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. And, uh, but... We really this it was a great it was a great house and it looked like a good investment and um, so we we did it we bought it and it was a process and the Lord helped us um, and we actually um, just this last um, what five six months ago we finished the we finished the top floor of that house finished decorating it. Now, tell me, now, they're not telling all the stories. Because I know some of them. I know some of them. Now, when you got this fixer-upper, now, before you got this fixer-upper, did you have the money to fix it up? No, ma'am. No. Did you have the money to buy it? Mm, no, ma'am. Okay. So what happened when you started working on it and people found out that you were working on it? Uh, people started helping us. Oh, lots I of mean, help. I mean, yeah. and money, I mean, actually someone, you know, asked us, what's the biggest thing that you need, you know, starting out, and we're like, you know, and so I said, or you said it, mm-hmm. actually, that was floor. flooring mm-hmm. was the biggest thing. We had, we pretty much gutted the, the entire top of the house right away, and so we had, <laughs> I mean, we had fellowships on subfloors. We did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, you had what? Tell them uh-huh. what you had? <laughs> We're, uh, in Branson, we were Faith for Life class leaders, and so we had over our whole Faith for Life class, uh, 19 to 29s, and we did not have flooring in our kitchen. It was rather, <laughs> you know, humbling. <laughs> but we're in the ministry. You weren't we embarrassed? People. I was a little, we you know, moments, but, but it's just, okay. You don't, you know, you know you, if you, you don't, don't start. start where you are, you stay where you are. Right. That's what. Right. Brother Moore said that a long time ago, and that's helped us. That's just, yeah, so it's kept us going. Yeah. So you, you got that house, and uh, you just kept walking by faith and, and getting it done. And then about how long ago did I ask you guys about coming here? Five months ago now. Five months ago? February. Mm-hmm. February. Okay. Um, in February, I asked them about coming here because we were moving some of the stuff here, as you all know. And... Um, they were like, okay, instant. And so um, tell, I don't want to give it away as I'm telling it, tell about the transition in the house. Okay. I think you know what, you guys know what I'm talking about. Well, uh, we started, uh, let's see, we were initially looking for somewhere to stay for 30 days because we were here on a trial. And so we start looking for different places, and, you know, we see a vacation rental, and it's like, I don't know why that's not right, you know. And then for some reason we started looking at apartments, and so we looked at different apartment complexes. And we just walked in, and we were like, that's a great place to live, but no. Mm -mm." And then I just, I don't really know why, but somehow we started looking at places to buy. And some, we just started getting, you know, I think we're supposed to buy, and mm-hmm. we have our house in Branson, and. But you're you're too young to own two houses, Rachel. Right. <laughs> that's and what I thought. And you've only been married five years. <laughs> but that's where Ethan came in. We, uh, 
prior to we you know we had no idea that this would even be a thing we thought we'd be in Branson for quite some time um, but this phrase kept coming to me you can't have houses like you've been confessing if you keep selling the ones I give you and so I thought well that's kind of perplexing think okay you know we're just kind of thinking about that and then when this came up I just knew well I guess we're not selling this one uh, even though I'd like to but uh, it'd be easier but um, but there was an excitement because of that in our hearts mm-hmm. and yep. um, so we chose not to sell it and I think the day that we decided not to during this process the very next day we had someone on our hearts that uh, to ask if they would rent it if they would want to you know and uh, funny enough their lease was up and they were um, they had it on their vision list to be in a house before their first anniversary I think and um, it just was it worked out seamlessly it mm-hmm. was a blessing to them a blessing to us mm-hmm. um, we left all of our furniture they they actually really liked our furniture <laughs> so we left all that we just left everything um, so that left you without anything. Yeah, yeah. I think we brought a cedar chest in our beds. That's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, but the uh, the catch to that too was the house wasn't really livable um, for just for somebody to actually pay you a decent amount of money for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew we knew we would have to fix it. We finish it. Um, and so in eight days of work. And we did not have a dime set aside for this project at all. We were just buying it as cash came in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did not have this money, but we did have, um, we had some direction that we could, you know, take a step. And so we did. And um, we, we borrowed the money for, you know, to, to take care of the project. Um, and I think in, in a month or two's time, that debt was forgiven completely. All of that was paid for. That was money we would not have been bothered with had we, you know, I say bothered because Brother Morris said that, but we wouldn't have been bothered with that blessing had we not <laughs> went ahead and done this. Uh, that's that's a, a lot of money that we wouldn't have received if we right. hadn't taken that step um, to, to keep the house and, and finish it. Mm-hmm. So you had to get another house. Yes. And you had all this money set aside to buy a house. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. We you had not. a down payment? No, no. No. Uh-uh. Actually, buying a house was, I didn't even think it was an option. I literally had, I didn't think it was an option. We own a house in Branson. You know, we're just moving. We're just transferring. We're not getting promoted or nothing like that, you know. And so I didn't think it would be possible. And so, but we took the step, went to see a mortgage lender and um, told him the whole situation. We asked him, you know, can we count this rental income? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can, you can, it'll be great. And so we're like, oh, okay, we got a green light. All right, let's keep going. So we found a house and got under contract and we're under contract on the house. And then he comes back and says, oh, well, we can't count that rental income like we thought we could. You have to have had that for two years. And we were like, okay. He's like, well, maybe there's another loan. And so, I mean, he tried us out for three three different loans and, you know, coming back saying, 
Sorry, oh, that one didn't work. Let's try another one. Sorry, that one didn't work. Let's try another one. Sorry, until finally, I mean, I was like, I looked, we were at work, and I looked at him. I was like, I'm going to get all our papers from that man. And I asked you if I could leave, and I went over there. I walked in his office. I grabbed all this stuff. I said, thank you for your time. I apologize. And he's like, oh, well, I'll, let's still work together. And I was like, no, like, thank you for your time. And I just left. And uh, we had gotten. told us there was no other options. Yeah, no right. Other. He was just, I don't know, wanting us. he was wanting us to find a smaller house. That was his they solution. But we were already house. under contract under the house, the one, you know, the uh, one that all three of us agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So yeah. we, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, we, we made an offer on this house and everything before we were, I mean, we had a pre-approval from this guy, but verbal. there was verbal and that's it. And uh, by the time we actually were under contract, you know, he was backpedaling and was like, that's too much house for you guys right now. You can't do it. It's not possible um, unless you have this much in the bank. And um, we just really had nothing in the bank, nothing, you know. But we said, you know, we're going to have it, you know. Mm -hmm. And we asked him, if you just keep working on it, we'll do our part and we'll we'll have the money by the time when the time comes. Mm -hmm. But that fell through. All mm-hmm. fell through. Mm-hmm. He told us we were going to need seventeen thousand dollars, closing costs and down payment and everything. Mm-hmm. And we just, I, we were sitting in his office and we just looked at him and we said, "You work on getting the loan approved. We'll work on getting seventeen thousand dollars." <laughs> and uh-huh. in the back of our mind, we're like, "How? <laughs> we don't know." <laughs> but we left, and you know. That scripture keeps coming on my mind. Um, the path of the just grows brighter and brighter until it reaches the full day sun. And so we would just focus on what we know. Mm-hmm. You know, we know we're not supposed to sell our house in Branson. Okay, you focus on that. And then we know we are supposed to get this house. This is the house we have peace with. Mm-hmm. So we just focus on that. And as you take those steps, things get to be brighter and brighter and more light comes and you see where to take the next step and where to take the next step and where to do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, somebody gave us a contact of another mortgage lady and seemed like we should go see her. Mm -hmm. And I'm not kidding. In 24 hours, this lady had a loan approval Mm -hmm. for us. Not verbal. Not verbal. A real loan (laughs) approval. The same loan. The The exact same loan, loan, better interest rate. Same money down, so we still had to come up with $17,000, but we at least had a loan approval. Yes. And the Lord, of course, we're in the house, so. So did you dig this $17,000 out of uh, the ground? Did it fall out of a tree? It did not. No. Um, Well, like I was saying, you know, more light. Because aren't y'all wondering about that? Yeah. 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 I I knew you were. (laughs) Do you want to tell him? Uh, I'll tell parts of it you can help me um we had to rewrite the contract several different ways and when she's talking about light is progressive we went to starbucks one day and because we had already been told no every which way so we sat down um drinking a coffee and we're just staring at loan you know all the criteria for loans and different things like that and on one of them it said that the you know the the seller could pay a certain percentage of the closing costs I think Mm -hmm. it was and so I was like oh wow 
that's that's half. That's pretty much half, you know, that I don't have to come up with. But we had we had uh, you know negotiated down on the price of the house, you know, always wanting a good deal. But uh, funny that. I mean, this was during Greater Faith, so we had the Lord helped us so much during that series Mm -hmm. to help us. Um, But there was basically we had to pay full price for the house, is what came up on our hearts, and we said let's let's rewrite a new contract, and uh, we will pay asking price if they will pay, you know, all this amount. And uh, it it, sounds so simple. It sounds simple. in the moment, that was a big deal because we did not see where we were going to get that closing cost money. Mm-hmm. And so for the Lord to show us that, it was like it was a big deal in that mm-hmm. moment. Sounds so simple telling it right now, but well, in we, that moment, it was a big deal. <laughs> we were like, yay, we found eight grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we had already broke contract like three times. Or, you know, our loan had already fell through, and this la- the seller is like, these kids. <laughs> I mean, you know, I remember the real estate agent said, well, where's your earnest money? And we are like, we don't have earnest money. And he's like, you can't make an offer on a house without earnest money. And I said, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> you know? And I was like, I'll get you some. You know, we'll just, just you know, we'll, we'll get it. Um, and eventually we did. But and so that's why it didn't seem so simple because we had to renegotiate again with the same person and mm-hmm. you know this realtor did not have to give us the time of day because he knows I told him we don't have any money for this <laughs> but that's just the Lord I think because he did you know I didn't have any money for that church either so don't feel <laughs> right bad. right yeah <laughs> uh, and so and then, that's one way okay that part, was one portion. way and then the other way was we realized. By the time we closed on the house, that we would um, we wouldn't be paying our mortgage two times because our renters would move in in Branson and they would be paying our March mortgage and our April mortgage. So we actually were able to find, you know, a certain amount of money in our own budget, in our very own budget. And I know that sounds simple too, but that was light because we did not know. We had no the Lord had to show that to us because we didn't know. We shouldn't see it. You know. And then um, we were sitting at a little shop, ice cream, and uh, we get a text, you know, how's it going? How's everything going? And we're like, well, we're sitting here. And the way the text was worded, we thought that the person meant, you know, how's your house coming? We're like, well, we're sitting here. And we were actually in that very moment talking about what do we have that we can sell, where we can make up the rest of this money. And... um, we're like, well, we're trying to figure out how we're going to get the rest of the money for our down payment. And that person was like, well, we're going to take care of that for you. And so that was the remainder of our money that we needed to get into the house. And it came in the exact right time because the whole time the bank is checking your bank account to see if you have that cash to close. Mm -hmm. And it came in at the exact right time. Right. And so we're thankful. Yes. Now, the reason that I'm doing this is not to glorify something that they did or, no. or anything like that. Several reasons that I chose, and there's several people that could have been chosen in, in these situations, but, you know, I didn't want to choose somebody that was, you know, 60 years old, that had been through this process 52 times, you know, or something like that, you know. I wanted to choose somebody that you, you don't see. Uh, the devil will try to tell you uh, 
look at how young I am. Look at my status. Look at what I make. Look at what I do. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't, I've never done. And, and he'll try to play all these cards to you and convince you, you don't qualify. You can't do this. And it's all about, I told somebody just yesterday, I was looking them square in the eye and, um, they, their whole deal on their place that they were buying was falling apart. And I said, this is not about money. And it's not about uh, the people. And it's not about the contracts. It's about your faith. And it's about you believing. And you have to decide what you believe about this. Well, as it turned out, they had already canceled her contract. They had gone in and said, your contract is canceled. You don't have this contract anymore. Well, at about noon today, she texted me and said, they reinstated my contract and I have until dot. And I, and, and they said, we're, and the, the words that we were hearing was, they're not, they're going to cancel you at five o'clock and they're not going to reinstate this contract and they're not going to do this and they're not going to do that. And you let all that stuff get in you. And, and you're going to realize I'm just I'm going along with everything that the devil is feeding and he'll keep feeding you stuff. He'll throw stuff at you from every direction. But what you've got to do is you've got to find your place of peace and say, no, this isn't about what I'm hearing. This isn't about what they're saying. This isn't about that bank. It isn't about what this person's doing. It isn't about what this person's doing. It's what I believe. Now, let me read you this. It says Hebrews 11, 1. This is the Living Bible. What is faith? Do you see it up there on the screen? Do they have it up yet? The Living Bible, Hebrews 11.1. 1. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. That's what faith is. So before you get into a situation, you need to know that you have that prompting and urging, like they were saying earlier, this is the one. It's no need in us going and looking at something else. It's no need in us trying to rent this or do this. This is the one. I had that urging that this is the one. This is what the Lord said. Now, let me read you a couple of other things along with that. Uh, Hebrews 10:23 in the King James. Let us hold fast the profession or confession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that has promised. Now, I've got the definition of faith here, kind of. You know, there's a lot of, you could go a lot of ways with this. But complete trust or confidence in the Lord. Waver is to be undecided between two opinions. Our courses of action. Now that's what you have to decide, like what they were saying. Are we going to believe what this bank is telling us? Are we going to believe that this is our house? Now the Lord just told me this. There's somebody that's believing to have a baby. And the doctors told you, you can't have a baby. Well now, are you going to believe what that doctor said? Or are you going to believe what God said? Amen. Now, I didn't say that you wouldn't have to do anything. 
But there's a way, just like what they were talking about. If it doesn't happen this way, then you might want to check and see, can it happen this way? Or can it happen this way? Or can it happen this way? But you don't say, I can't have a baby. You never let those words come out of your mouth. You don't waver in the fact that I can have a baby. I can have this house. I can be married. I can be healed. And you may not, it may not be the way that you were thinking. You may have to try another route or try another route or try another route. Checking it in with God and say, okay, Lord, just like what she said, there was light. I saw this is the way we needed to go. There was light. This is the way we needed to go. But don't waver in the fact that this is our house. You've got to find the thing that you're believing for and not waver off of that. Then let the Lord show you how you get that. It's the how you get it that sometimes people get confused in. But don't pull a Sarah. And you do your thing. We got a lot of Ishmaels out there. We don't want those. We want to get quiet and hear what the Lord says for us to do. Because that's the promptings and urgings that you get. No, pull your stuff from that guy and go to this other bank. And when you follow those promptings and urgings and you do what he tells you to do, then you're going to have success. You're going to have good things. Faith is uh, the Amplified in James 1, 6 says this. It must be faith... It must be a person that asks in faith, nothing wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers or hesitates or doubts is like a billowing surge out of the sea that's blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine he's going to receive anything from the Lord. For being as he is a man of two minds hesitating, dubious, irresolute. He is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks and feels and decides. The Message Bible in in James 1.8 says this. He's adrift at sea, keeping all his options open. Now, what is it being adrift at sea? That means you're not getting anything. The New Living says this, and I really, really like this. In verse 6, James 1, 6, it says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty... Is, an uns- is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Listen to verse 8. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They're unstable in everything they do. What I'm trying to get across to you with these guys and these guys is that once you make a decision in something, 
don't question for one minute that they didn't run up against trials and tests when they thought Cassie needs to stay home with the kids. I know there were situations. I know there were times that this one was sick and this was happening and these things were going on and that they didn't waver in their mind one night and discuss it. I just know. They never told me. I just know. And then they cast it down and they said, no, we're going to trust you. Lord, you said you would take care of us if we would do this. You heard her say it. They didn't waver between two opinions. So God has been able to honor them and take care of them. The people that God can't honor and take care of are the ones that are wavering between their opinions. Now, if they were doing this and they were all the while thinking, man, we should be home with the kids. And every day bitter about our kids are having to go to public school. Our kids are being neglected. I'm not able to go to their ball games. I'm not able and bitter about this all the time. Then God would not be able to bless them. Because they would be be wavering between the two things, the choices that they made. But they're not. So God is honoring them in the things that they do. Well, the same thing here. They made a decision and they stuck with it. God honored them. It was the same day that they made the decision wholeheartedly to come here. Somebody, they had actually already told me that they wanted to rent their house. I didn't tell them, but they had already told me that they wanted to rent their house. The Lord, the Lord had a plan all along. But if you waver, then he can't bring that plan to pass. He's got it. He's got it out there. Faith for sight. You've got to keep your faith going for the sight that you want to see. But you may not even know what that sight is. You've got to take the first step in order to see the last step. And a lot of times you don't even know what that last step is. Thank you, guys. We should never, ever, ever be complacent. We should never be comfortable where we are. I don't believe that that's the God that we serve. I don't believe that we should ever say, yeah, uh, we got our paycheck. We're meeting all of our bills. You know, we're doing this. Because if you're that way, then you're never growing in your faith. If you're never growing in your faith, then what is happening? It takes faith to do what? To please God. So if we are comfortable and we're not stretching ourselves, whether it's with our money or whether it's with me getting up here in front of people or whether there's a lot of things that we're supposed to do that our flesh is never going to like. And it's going to take faith to do it. But we can't be complacent. We should be stepping out by faith every single day of our lives, doing things that we don't like doing, but we know that it's the Lord because we're using our faith to do it. And when we do that, we'll know that we're pleasing the Lord. This ministry, these churches, like I said at the very beginning, when we started, I just saw us and thinking, Lord, what can we accomplish for you with all these people? And you would think that you could. But it's like that chapter, I don't know where it is, 
Lord, I got a, a yoke of oxen I got to take care of. Lord, I just got married. Lord, I got this. Lord, I got that. Lord, I got this. Lord, I got that. And it still leaves you about where you are. And instead of, I'm going to just be bold, you know me. Instead of having more people to help, you got more people you got to take care of. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. We should all be having our hand to the plow, accomplishing what God's called us to do. And using our faith in order to accomplish that. Everybody likes to just sit around and do nothing. But I tell you what, you don't want to lose your talent. God's not a mean God. But he's the one that... Read it in your Bible. Go home tonight and read it and see what color it's in. If we don't use our talents... They will be taken away. I mean, the guy didn't even have enough smarts to go put it in the bank. How hard is it to go make a deposit? He was what I call L-A-Z-Y. And we have a lot of people in the body of Christ today that are L-A-Z-Y. They don't want to take the next step and do what the Lord's called them to do. And the reason that I've got these people up here is because you have to constantly be out of your comfort zone in order to please the Lord. I've seen it over and over and over again. If you're not taking steps and, and doing things that make you uncomfortable and taking the next step for the Lord and doing the next thing for the Lord and accomplishing the next thing for the Lord, then then we're not doing what the Lord's called us to do. I told Keith the other day, I said, we got to do some more. We got, I mean, we, if we just have to do it by ourselves, we got to do it. And I know our staff goes, when, where? We got to, because there's a world out there that's going to go to hell. You know, and, and we can do it. How many of us can do it? You got time? Turn that TV off. Get you a little exercise. Put them tater chips away. You know, we got stuff to do. God's been good to us. I was talking to somebody, and I know what time it is. I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, um, she said, "She said, what do you do?" I said, "We're pastors." She said, "Do you like that?" I said, "Oh, I love it." She's, I said, um, you know, I was just dealing with some youth the other day that, that didn't finish high school and I got to help them to get their diplomas and stuff. I said, and, and their whole attitude's changed and they're happier now than they've ever been. And, and I said, and we're about to buy a bunch of backpack for, backpacks for kids at school so that when they go to school, you know, they don't have to go and be ashamed and nobody's going to bully them. And, and, you know, she said, I wish somebody would have done that for me when I was a kid. They bullied me all the time because we never had anything, you know. And, and, I, and I just thought, you know, I just thought, how good God is and how good it is to be a part of things like this. You know, and every church member should be so thrilled to be able to say, I go to a church that does things like that. I go to a church that takes care of the people and I go to it. So, and, and what you've got is people that are ashamed of the money. You know, and, and what happens with the money? We buy backpacks with it. 
you know, and, and things like that, you know. And so we've got to step out of our comfort zone, guys. We've got to be, begin telling people about the things of the Lord. This place, look at this place. Look around. I want you to see how many empty seats there are in here. I mean, Keith and I can only do our part. Keith has worked his uh, all week long, you know, and um, there's been stuff going all week long. Hush, Dan. Um, um, but we all have a part to do. He can only do so much, you know. And if if you win somebody this week and you win somebody this week and you do and you do and you do and you do, then, I mean, we'll all be accomplishing something for the Lord. And we all have something to... You're not too old and 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 you're not too old. We're not too old. We ought to be getting something under our belts, you know. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling even more that way because I'm going to turn 60 real soon and I'm thinking, Lord, slow down that clock. We still got a lot to do, you know, and uh, we want to know that when we stand before the Lord that we've done everything that we can do. And uh, we should be using our faith so that we can use it. People get it confused. And I told somebody this the other day. They they think that money is the thing um I want, I want to say it right, that, how, how is it, uh, when you get greater in God, you will be able to handle more money. But with God, it's just the opposite. God said, when you've proven yourself with money, then you'll be able to handle the things of God. Amen. It's just the opposite than what people think. People think when you've proven yourself with God, you'll be able to handle money. But that's not what God said. God said when you prove yourself with money, then you'll be able to handle the things of God. And so that's why I was talking to you about the love stuff earlier. When you love people more than money, you'll have all the money that you need. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet.